0: Hi, Abby.
1: Hi,
2: Tim. How's it going?
0: Yeah, very good, thanks. Yeah, very good. How's it going for you?
2: Yeah, it's going all right. It's just been a bit of a crap year there, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yeah, yeah definitely.
0: Um, I assume that's where you you're going to say something else.
2: Yeah, because it's been such a write-off, I think one of the things we can do to get through is just to cast our minds onto something that is more enjoyable,
0: such as music. Very good idea. What did you have in mind?
2: Why don't we talk about music that we both love and, and I guess what we like about it, how it's shaped our lives and perhaps what factors influence the music itself.
0: I see, so sort of diving a bit deeper into the music and understanding why we feel the way we do about it.
2: Yeah, exactly, and, and perhaps challenging some of the established narratives that history has created for some of the music.
0: Sounds like a great idea.
2: How about we call it life's music?
0: Yeah, why
1: not? <laughs> <laughs>
2: good times from here on out are on the yeah, way sounds, yeah they, get, they they really are on the way and uh really looking forward to uh doing more stuff like I, i've got yeah. um i've got a kayaking session on wednesday uh, wow. next week uh, and i uh, yeah i'm gonna turn it I'm, going to, I'm really keen to turn it into a hobby i'm gonna make that happen i've been waiting a long time for this and yeah, yeah. Uh, see people like paddle boarding up and down my river and stuff on my God, that's what I want to be doing. You know, it's just like, you know you know when you see someone do something Absolutely. else, you know, you'd be like, I wish I was doing that. You know, yeah, like, yeah, well, definitely. Well now it's my turn. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, Um should we start the episode?
2: Yeah, so Tim, are you ready to shoot the runner with Kasabian?
0: <laughs> I, I, I would be, but unfortunately, yeah, when we talk about the runner, that's that's like, literally both of us, so uh, yeah. <laughs> running, but um, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm ready for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to discuss whether London really is full of sea Yeah. Oh man, I still so, know, it's, it's so funny. I love
2: how the article that you sent me yeah. says. Accidentally calls, yeah, no, yeah. just just to cover their backs, you know, yeah, yeah. just to say, like, well, no, it's
0: a complete accident. As if you can do that by accident,
2: yeah. <laughs> it does make me wonder what the story behind that is, because also it's been covered up a bit. Mm. I guess like whoever was on the production team got fired like straight after that. But... Yeah, oh, but
0: that's what I'm wondering. Like maybe they were fired before that, and that's why they put it <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> that's the thing though because
2: like it's like they're a Leicester band so I can't really but I don't really see like how they could be full of hatred of, of London like because they were well, playing in Scotland it made me, yeah. make, makes me wonder if someone was like you know yeah. this, this will hacked show them it, right. yeah well, <laughs> this
0: will show them not hacked yeah well the funny thing is is that I mean I don't know about you but like I, I think there is a sort of a sense that London is what the UK is all about which obviously it's not and London is only one part of it, but it's like increasingly dominant in terms of various things. So people always seem to move away from wherever they live to London. Yeah, well, not always, but for the most part, people do that. But then at the same time, London is not really—it's not very welcoming, you know, as a place. It's not particularly, you know, Everyone's busy. Everyone's rude. It feels very cutthroat, I suppose. Some people yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. So, so, that it's sort of like you know, everyone's trying to get one over on one another. Which I'm not sure. Yeah, it depends on the person, but. Perhaps that's just the type of people it attracts, but it's quite self-important as well. Like, As it's the economic and political capital, it's like, yeah, from a political perspective, lots of things happen in London, which are just dumb to the rest of the country and may not even be relevant to the rest of the country. Jeremy, yeah. Like, it, so yeah, it, it, yeah london london wages are obviously quite a lot higher than the rest of the country's wages but then similarly is the cost of living exactly but, yeah, but, but these yeah. but these arguments are sort of irrelevant in somewhere like leicester or somewhere like this so it's not you can't there is a sense that i think maybe london is slightly overbearing
2: yeah i think I, culturally it probably carries a lot of weight as well if you, yeah you know for music and, and the arts and stuff but it is its own bubble there's no doubt about that like I don't know, as someone who lives in London, do you feel like your, your outlook or like your kind of awareness of things is more London-centric than it is more national, if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I think definitely, because there's, you can see this in culture and politics, in a sense. People confuse the national with the London. You know, for example, if we go back to the, uh, the issue which everybody likes to talk about and remembers very fondly, the Brexit referendum. The London view was that nobody could possibly vote for Brexit because it was obvious, and uh, people in London who were making all the rules and doing the campaigns just didn't understand how people outside of London thought. And I think that just is true in general. They just don't. They can't. There's a sort of a sense that they think because they're in the capital city, they know better. And I, I myself, I think used to be like that, but now I think I'm sort of moving away from this in a way. I'm sort of moving away. I'm more interested in, you know, like, you know, and people would be like, you know, Oxford Street and, you know, the theatres and all this other stuff. It's like kind of the, the sort of surface level things that people come over and see and then disappear again. I'm not really interested in any of that. I'm sort of more interested in, because if you think about it, London isn't really, because Zara had this thing that popped up on her phone the other day. It was like, you took this photo in London city centre. Like, okay where's that um, <laughs> could be <laughs> like, anywhere sorry, really sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> um but it's like it's just weird isn't it because london is, does not have a center necessarily it's like it's basically a series of towns that have joined together over yeah. centuries you, you could argue the city of london is a center but mm. yeah that's quite far east for most people and westminster i suppose is the other center but that's mm. also not really there's nothing here in westminster there's no there's nothing interesting other than sort of tourist things yeah it's um, not it's not like you've got
2: everything in one place like there are different hubs essentially exactly. that that join together and have their own different characteristics you know soho is different to yeah, Camden, exactly. for example exactly you know, exactly so, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think yeah well, in that respect visitors to london would say oh you know i visited the uk but they haven't at all really they've, they've sort of been visited it's almost like there's like a type of london which is like served to you and then there's a london which you sort of is the real london i'm not saying yeah. i've necessarily found the real london i think most of it is buried now under yeah. the serves to you london as i think we've been discussing actually throughout this podcast <laughs> yeah. but um that's what annoys people it annoys me as well some people come around and they say oh yeah I went, I went to had a great day out i went to trafalgar square it's like okay <laughs> that you, you've, you've basically you've made all you've done is basically experienced a bunch of tourists seeing a thing in the same place. Yeah, there were some red London buses and some black cabs, and that made it your experience. But that's not it. Do you know what I mean, that's not. It's like a sort of sanitised version of London, which I can understand why people might hate. <laughs> it's yeah. very annoying. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's equally true
2: of when us Brits go abroad somewhere. It's like. You can choose to go to a tourist hotspot, or you can try and push the envelope a bit by actually going, uh, you know, further away from that. Yeah. Like, like, but let's say, like, you're going to, I don't know, the coast of Spain, for example. And there's a tourist hotspot there because it's all, you know, the expat community live there, and yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. overpriced beers and and lunches and what have you. But yeah. if you travel an hour inland away from the coast and you go to like a village or a town or city. Yeah. where literally no one speaks any English and it's just, you know, no one wants to even, frankly,
1: <laughs> then, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. you
2: get the real Spain there because yeah. there's no kind of need to put on a an image for the tourists, I guess. But also one of the upsides actually is that stuff like, price of wine and stuff like that is just so much cheaper than yeah, it is when you're on a yeah, yeah, coast and, yeah, but, and also actually it's better because it's closer to the source as well yeah you know, yeah, it, yeah definitely it's just, well it
0: was but it's not served to you is it it's just like this is just how we do it kind of. yeah
2: yeah so i guess it really it's going to come down to what kind of experience you want isn't it you know when you yeah. when you go on holiday uh, i think if you want to see the you know the tourist hotspots and then great. Um, no, that's fine, yeah. But you yeah, can't yeah. say
0: that you've experienced the place, so no, uh, that would be no, a mistake no. to say that, yeah,
2: yeah. So, so, just for the benefit of our listeners, I have this, kind of, yeah, sorry, <laughs> that as a, yeah, I mean, so, so this, this is all started because uh, prior to this episode, Tim sent me a very funny article about this gig in 2014 that Kasabian did, uh, obviously the, the bandit of, of this particular episode, yeah. uh, in, in Glasgow, I think it was, wasn't it? And, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and the, and the the um, the screen. Projection backdrop to one of their songs uh, was uh, splashed with this. Uh the slogan "London's full of sea <laughs> words." Um, yes, yeah, yeah. and uh, the band were immediately distancing themselves from that and apologised yeah. and said that you know it was a production error. Um, and- <laughs> a production error. <laughs> that what they said. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah
0: right. Yeah. It's not hardly an error. I don't it's,
2: see it's, how- it's not exactly. It's
0: not like yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> when people say, "Oh, well, my Twitter was hacked." It's like, well, what, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean? What, what do you, why would somebody do that? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. not. I think it's good intro to the episode because it sums up what we might be about to say, the difference between what we'd expect someone like a band like The O were to say (laughs) versus what Kasabian did say, which is like they basically backed away from it and said, oh, you know, it was just a production error. Whereas someone like the Gallagher brothers would have been like, yeah, and...
2: Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, let's, let's, no. I'm not going to shy away from saying Oasis because I think they have to be mentioned this episode, to be honest, because they do draw, com- well, because they even draw yeah. comparisons to them in certain respects. And uh, yeah. yeah, so a band like Oasis would would totally own that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. They, would, <laughs> they, they wouldn't have ever, like, I mean, yeah, particularly in their 90s hey they wouldn't they yeah. wouldn't have shied away from that sort of thing at all, really. Yeah. But what I'm saying is yeah, you get more yeah. respect
0: somehow for doing that than, yeah. than saying, oh, no, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, well I think that's more I guess that's more reflective of the kind of times we are living now, isn't it? Where there's a lot more there's a lot more sensitivity, a hell of a lot more than than in the 90s, yeah. I guess. So yeah. um
0: Cuz it is true after all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, what the the phrase that London's full of sewers or that Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is. We are full. We are full. We don't want any more of them.
2: <laughs> We've got plenty already. Yeah. <laughs> Just on that, I think in my own experience, there've been times where i probably would have agreed with that phrase, and then there've been other times, <laughs> and then there've been other times where actually I've had the opposite experience. So I think it does. It depends how much experience you have with something. If you regularly go to London, or if you live in London, you yeah. know you're going to have far more let's say, authority to kind of agree <laughs> to make or the dis- judgment, oh, well, yeah. To make the judgment. Whereas, like, if you've only ever been once and it happened to be horrible, then it is a, it is a narrow view. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's easy to have a very narrow view or something if you've had a very brief kind of experience of it. Um, yes. You know, so... Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah.
0: Although you could say, in probability terms, if the vast majority of people were not C-words, the chances <laughs> of you encountering one on a, small, on a short visit would be less... So the fact that you have encountered one implies that there must be quite a few of them. No, not necessarily comprehensively. It's not statistically significant, but (laughs) there is a probability there. Do you not agree? (laughs) Uh, Just... (laughs) <laughs> i just
2: uh i just figured it'd be hilarious old actually well that she tried to do a statistical study on <laughs>
0: yeah, <absolutely. laughs> but,
2: but how to apply statistics to something subjective i guess yes of course but, they, yeah, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, uh, but then we're delving into the realm of social sciences and yeah, um, yeah it's going a little bit uh, niche for this, uh, this program, this, this that's program. Fair. yeah so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I'm, all i'm hearing hard. is yeah, all
0: i'm yeah, hearing yeah, is, yeah, all yeah. is shut up tim let's just yeah. carry on with him <laughs> <laughs> which is fair let's do it yeah. i
2: think the listeners probably want to know about kasabian at this point so let's do it let's um, yeah so as a typical agenda we'll begin with the band's origins and and the album's story itself how well it did but also uh, outside of that there's certainly a few things i wanted to discuss with you firstly obviously my personal connection to the album because i've certainly got a couple of stories behind this which are hilarious yes. and i've been saving uh, <laughs> saving them for this podcast episode but also a couple of other things is it a concept album because in the when i was yeah. researching for this that you know i think there was this intention to make it a concept album but personally i don't really think it pulls it off to the extent that was originally desired and we'll talk about that later and then also finally, are Kasabian a lad rock band? You know, is it is that a uh, a fair description of, of the genre of rock that they deliver? Yeah. Again, personally, I think that's not I don't think they deserve that label. And, and also what the hell is lad rock anyway? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. and then also if you talk about some, you know, obviously our pick of favorite lyrics and tracks, but was is there anything that you wanted to add to that agenda as well?
0: Um, well, we ought to say that we're talking about West Ryder, Port Lunatic Asylum, mainly. Absolute, absolutely, which yeah. Which follows our tradition of talking only about the third album of um, <laughs> yeah, <what's laughs> a particular band for some reason. We've got, we've got reason. a, we've got yeah. a knack
2: for this, yeah. It's always the, never mind a second album, it's always about the yeah. third album. This the is The third this, album struggle. This, this is the critical point of the band's career as
0: a third yeah. album. <laughs> I think I, uh, I there's a There is actually a trend emerging, I think, potentially, but yeah. maybe it's just us.
2: Honestly, the fact that you've just mentioned that it's scary like yeah
0: humbug be here now all mod cons anthem for doomed youth and now west pauper i mean yeah, obviously the cor the yeah. coral and uh black keys were different but they, they yeah. were outliers they just draw more attention to it yeah absolutely
1: well, yeah, no, I think we'll,
2: uh, I feel like that's going to influence our next selections for future episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, well, is, 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 it was yeah. actually something Zara pointed out to me. I didn't realize wow. it. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's a good bit of feedback, but it's just like, yeah. do you realize you always talk about third albums? It's like, oh, yeah. mate, I have to rename nice. this the third album podcast or something yeah. like
1: that.
2: <laughs> 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 hasn't quite got the same ring to it, though. Um, yeah. 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 Anything else that you want to touch upon? I mean, if anything else does come to mind, just. Shout out, and we can, we can discuss in. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, without further ado, let's talk about how the band started. So... This is another band that formed in the late 90s, so like the Libertines, similar sort of period. And also it's a band where, kind of like a choral actually, you know, they form in their school days really. So yeah. basically the original members are, you have Sergio Pizzorno, who's the, you know, the songwriter and the guitarist. You also have the singer and frontman Tom Megan, yeah. And you have uh, you have bassist Chris Edwards And they, they were all attending Thorpe Community College in Leicestershire And they later had um, an additional guitarist and songwriter called Chris Karloff It um, wasn't clear whether he attended the same school But I think you know he was there at the start of the band, if that makes sense And they originally called themselves Saracus or Saracous, however you pronounce yeah. it and they started recording uh, some songs and demos at uh, Bedrock Studios in Leicester, which is where Chris Edwards uh, was working as an engineer. So that's one of the initial connections in the music industry. So he's already, you know, one of the band members are already plugged into that scene, so to speak. And Yeah, that was their end. Yeah, how possibly, yeah. And yeah, so that, when they were recording those songs, they released their first demo EP in December of 98. So this is, uh, this is quite early on in there career and their first gig this is quite interesting their first gig that they play is at a uh, Vipers rugby club which is to celebrate Chris Edwards' 18th birthday
0: so this is how young they are so, wow um, I didn't realise yeah okay
2: yeah so they were, yeah they, it sounds like they were in their teens when they when they were starting out and uh, they get signed to a label called BMG by this uh, London based DJ and producer called Sam Young and that, that's at that point they decide to change the name to Kasabian which is named after Linda Kasabian who was a member of the notorious Charles Manson cult <laughs> yeah um, it's interesting really because this the, the name was actually suggested by Chris Karloff. Uh, he had been reading a lot about Charles Manson and the name... <laughs> yeah, he's reading a book about him and the name Cassabian just really stuck with him. I have to admit, you know, just to touch upon that, it is a very distinctive name. Like, uh, yeah. you know, it's just so... It's just so distinctive. Like, it's really memorable. So, it's like, as far as band names go, I think it's a pretty good name, isn't it? Like... Uh, well, I mean,
0: it's it's distinctive. In the, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, most of the bands we talked about are the something.
2: Yeah. I guess yeah. Oasis is a one-word. Well, yeah, um, Oasis maybe, is know, the one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: That's pretty... Yeah. I mean, that's, is that the only one? I think it probably is.
2: Well, I guess, like... Arctic Monkeys, I mean, they're not the Arctic Monkeys. Technically, they're just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but they're still,
0: like, the things, you know, like, they're yeah. just stuff. Whereas yeah. Kasabian is, like, it's almost like a statement. I was, yeah. just, reading, I was just reading that it's taken from, <laughs> taken from Arabic, meaning the butcher or something like this. And it's, like, yeah. supposedly, but obviously nobody would know this, but it's, it's, that, it's just classic them somehow, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's funny, because on their first album... There's a I mean you say butcher. There's a song called Butcher Blues on it. <laughs> uh, okay. so, uh, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe they were aware of that link. I don't know. But yeah, no, I certainly agreed. It's a it's a great name. And Which sort of it
0: sort of also implies that it's not actually pronounced kasabian is it? It's probably like kasabian or something like this.
2: Possibly, yeah. I mean, I think whenever, yeah, I, I've never heard anyone else call it differently. It's one of those funny things where all this time it could be mispronounced. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like with like with Pete Doherty's name; like they used to yeah. people used to say Pete Doherty, but it's actually Doherty. <laughs> all this is time, is that how you pronounce it? They, yeah, yeah, I, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. It's,
2: um, well, yeah, and no, I I found that out when, when we were doing the last episode, and I was watching an interview uh, with him on YouTube, and. Uh, he was asked you know how was how his surname pronounced he said it's Doherty not Doherty so I don't know yeah, how okay. on earth it yeah. you know all that time during his uh his you know hell-raising heyday his surname was being mispronounced and then yeah know, never really called it out at the time I guess he probably yeah. didn't, didn't really care but
0: you know. yeah exactly. I think it's the least of the worries. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: so yeah that, that's how the band's name comes about and that's how they start out and then we're sort of getting into the first album part of the yeah. story really so they release a non-album limited release single. So what that means is that it doesn't chart. It's not eligible for chart entry. So it just, yeah. it's just it just—it gets released um, and it won't get recognised as a charting single. And yeah. that first single is Process Beats and that's released in 2003. But then, yeah, there's a second single as well called Reason is Treason. And then, you know, both of these songs, by the way, do appear on their first album, but at the time they're not... They hadn't really recorded their first album yet, so these were considered like non album singles. This was also a limited entry, again, does not chart. Uh, it's released the following year in February 2004. So, this does become their first album related single. So, Process Speaks does appear on the, on the first album, but at the time when it's released, it wasn't considered an album single. And later that year in May, their third single, and arguably one of the most popular songs, Clubfoot. Yeah. Uh, gets released uh, with that very distinctive distorted bass riff. Yeah. And that's played actually by guitarist Chris Carloff instead of bass player Chris Edwards. So when they recorded the song, it was Chris Karloff who was playing that that riff. And I think it's him actually playing it in the music video as well. Have you ever seen the music video for that? Song? I haven't actually.
0: I mean Clubfoot is, is probably the one that's put them on the map didn't they i mean yeah. i remember that's what i heard first yeah. from them uh in terms of music and um i think i was talking to my mum about this as well but not that that's relevant but well okay just quick disclaimer about me talking to my mum. it's not like i'm just talking to some person who's never been she considers herself like to be really into music like she was yeah. like a big punk <clears> fan <throat> big into like pub rock and all this other stuff back in the 70s and now she's still desperately trying to hold on to that sort of like throne by trying to discover new music before i do um <laughs> discover new music before me and my brother and yeah. she 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 sort of had the you know, all the oasis singles before we obviously had listened to them um and um she i think probably played Club Foot first in our family so okay. i'll give her that and yeah it was a big track and i didn't really get into kazabian until west west um was he did i anyway we can discuss that later but but yeah Foot was probably a big one
2: yeah and um yeah, the, the, the music video is great. You should check it out because it's okay. like, um, I think it's almost meant to look like some sort of Soviet Eastern Bloc era kind of movie, you know. It's all, you know, there, it's all there shot is in a... black and white and like it's cold, it's snowing, there's T-34 tanks or T-56 yeah, yeah, tanks yeah. sort of rolling around. And, yeah, no, yeah. it's really, it's, it's really like, it looks really cool and revolutionary and everything. But, so, but, that's, so, but that's that's that's
0: yeah. the vibe they go for in general, isn't it, Casabian? They seem to have this kind of, I've noticed that all their song titles are all very emotive and they're sort of, they paint pictures with just the words of their, yeah. not necessarily even the music, it's just the word, the song title words are, yeah, processed beats, for example, on Clubfoot, obviously pretty horrific. Yeah. Reason is Treason is like a, almost like a popular counter-revolutionary 18th century, 19th century type slogan. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely
2: get what you mean there. And um this is a, a you know popular hit single. It reaches number nineteen in the UK single chart. So this is like their first kind of brush of success. Yes, madam um, Yeah, and actually the, the single gets reissued um, off the back of the album's release the following year in March yeah. two thousand five. And this time it actually hits number twenty one. So slightly lower than the first time, but it achieves platinum status when it sells over six hundred thousand copies. So you know this is kind of in the area where people actually still buying music, you know, rather than yeah. streaming it. And this is a theme I'll touch upon quite a few times in the story, but beyond these physical sales, the song becomes widely featured in other media as well, such yeah. as video games like FIFA and Guitar Hero on TV for Sky Sports Football, as yeah. various like TV series and also some movies that were released at the time. So
0: it's quite, know, it's quite atmospheric, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. like, it has a, it's a sort of like a rich, textured music rather than say like a libertines kind of or a jam sort of stripped back raw sound it's, it's much more oh, yeah it has, yeah it has almost like a cinematic quality to it yeah
2: there's uh and that's a the theme of a lot of cassavian yeah. songs isn't it there's de- there's definitely a lot of production focus with these songs and you know this is a this was a song that they wrote in the early years really and it's a song that has been played pretty much at nearly every live performance by cassavian since it's released so it's definitely like it's almost like the equivalent of well, maybe this is going a bit too far, but you know, like the killers always play. Oh, what's that song? Mr. Brightside. Called? Mr. Br- How could I forget what it's called? It's like the like, you know, best known yeah. single, but yeah. Um, the killers always play Mr. Brightside, so yeah. it's probably like the equivalent for them in that sense, at least. So, yeah, that, that's their like first album single, and as I say, that does pretty well, and, and it becomes like a, a key anthem for them. Yeah. So, later yeah. that year, since so this is 2004, mind you, so this is in August, they release LSF or Lost Souls Forever. So that reaches, <laughs> yeah. I, I love how they abbreviate it and then spell it out properly in brackets. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like, is that? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I don't it's know. Just I, what they,
0: I don't it's know just what they're about. doing. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like some some like weird thing that they're trying to achieve here. I don't know what it yeah, is, but yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So that that reaches number ten. So it does even better than the than the first single. So that's their first top ten hit. And um, interestingly, so again, the enemy gets uh, gets a name check in here. So. Late in 2007, they would list that in their top 50 greatest indie anthems ever at number 37. So that's interesting. You know, it's like, I guess a lot of these music magazines do these retrospectives at a certain point in time and go, right, in the last, I don't know, so many years, these are the best hits. And this this happens to include these singles that happen to be released in that time. It's kind of like when you get like top 100 films you must see before you die sort of thing. It's always like, it's always going to be Listed at a certain point yeah. in time, where it's only going to cast a net looking back over a certain period of time. Um, it always has to get updated yeah, yeah, later yeah, on yeah. and stuff. So, but yeah, that that was at that time, two thousand seven. They considered that particular single to be a, one of the greatest indie anthems ever. So that's uh, that's saying something. And then yeah. the following month, so in September that's when they finally released their self-titled debut uh, album. So that yeah. hits number four in the UK album chart and that gets triple platinum
0: status. It's huge, isn't it? Like yeah. for a first album, that's just yeah. next level. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why, definitely, yeah. where was Definitely Maybe in this?
2: Uh... Oh, no, Definitely Maybe did a lot better than that, I think. Oh, really?
0: But um, but number four?
2: Well, um, It reached number two, I think, or yeah. something okay. like that. Yeah. But I think it was just more, I think Definitely Maybe was like, it once held the title of fastest-selling album in UK chart history, I think, or, or yeah. something like that. I think Adele's probably topped that since, or somebody else, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it, yeah, you're right, it is huge. Like, for a debut album, and again, in this era where, like, downloading is becoming more of the norm, like, it's still a, it's still a hell of achievement.
0: Yeah, you're um, right, yeah. It's like, yeah. on 4th of September, the album debut, number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, totally. yeah,
2: yeah. But yeah, I mean, speaking of Adele, so this... Album was produced by Jim Abbas and he's best known for working with bands like Arctic Monkeys on their debut album, but also Adele's albums Nineteen and Twenty One, but also with other indie rock acts like Catfish and the Bottlemen and Bombay yeah. Bicycle Club. So he's, he's you know, Sky's got a lot of, you know, well-known credentials to his list. And this is where, uh, and we're going to touch upon this a few times, I think, in this episode. But this is where, like, the critics come into play. So the album does receive some generally favourable reviews. That was nice of them, considering it's number four and
0: it's like their first attempt. Yeah, it's it's, it's good of them to give them some favourable reviews, isn't it? Yeah, I I think we should applaud the press for that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) well
2: done for recognising talent. Yeah, it's It's, uh, it's totally unheard of. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's got to hold the critics to account and it's going to be us. So, um, So some of the critics appreciated the band's fondness for, I guess, their sonic experimentation. This is a band that is known for it, really. They do love studio production techniques. And, you know, it is part of the character of their songs. It does make them distinctive. But equally, not all critics were convinced by their attempts to essentially mix like alternative rock and electronica together in their songs and it's interesting because I think this band did get a lot of hype when they first hit the scene you know I think a lot of critics compared them to you know Manchester bands like the Stone Roses and Primal Scream and Happy Monday so almost people saw them as a second coming of like this sort of (laughs) mixture of rock and dance music but equally I think some critics felt that the I guess they just thought you know, the songs were a bit half baked, and they thought that the use of well, I guess, in their view studio gimmickry couldn't make up for that.
0: Talking about album one still, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Or album. just in general. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, the album one, yeah. And they're just saying, Oh, you know, some of these songs were lacking substantial hooks. I got one quite funny review here, because it's basically a work, well some of them thought that the music's quite hard edged and not easy listening. Like, well, I mean, what do you expect? I mean, you know, what? what...
0: I rate classical music and this music is not classical enough. And it's like, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's
0: like, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I completely agree with you. What's your point? <laughs> yeah.
2: No, let's listen to this one of you. So, and I quote, Casabian is brash, loutish, and seems liable at times to cut you. The consistent kick drum beat throughout <laughs> is like a great party's heartbeat. But like the rustabout in the corner, drinking all the lager and scratching up your old records, it can be more loudmouthed than substantial. End quote.
1: <laughs> it's like,
2: you know, this is probably where the lad rock label comes from. It's that kind of review where it's like, oh, it's just music for unintelligent people. It's like, well. That's not really doing them justice, if I'm honest. Like, and another review was like, and I quote, sure, this album may well sound awesome if you've just snorted a meat of Charlie or recently breakfasted from a menu of shrooms and LSD, but for sober ears, it's enough to drive anyone to drugs, end quote. So it's like. <laughs> it's just I, so I think, withering. Yeah, just like, yeah. What the hell? It's, it's yeah. yeah but,
0: think, but it's like they don't they really make any kind of point. It's like, this is really good music. If you're this type of person, it's like, okay. You're describing the music. That's not an opinion. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're just describing what the music's who yeah. the music's for. Yeah, well done. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not. I don't see that as a. I mean, it's it's funny that I don't understand why people would be so down on it like that. It's like they just. It's like the writer hmm. has almost like a chip on their shoulder of some kind. I, don't, I mean, I noticed this with the Arctic Monkeys. It was like, and um, and, and Oasis as well. It's like some people are so desperate to see them fail for some reason. It's just bizarre.
2: Yeah, it's i don't know it's definitely easy to see that like some some journalists do have like some sort of agenda i think you know they'll have their favorite bands and they want to see them succeed but then almost if they feel betrayed they feel a need to (laughs) to cut them down a peg or two but if it is what you know
0: what they if you were the creative one you'd be up there on the stage recording it yourself wouldn't you so yeah exactly what's the point of music journalists
2: I think they're arguably less relevant nowadays, that's for sure, because I think so so much of how music reaches people is through far more direct means. Like, you know, people aren't really reading music journalism in order to keep up to date with what's new. They're listening to a Spotify playlist instead, like new releases, you know. So this is an era still like in the early 2000s where journalism was still relevant but, but even I, then it was probably already dying a death somewhat becoming, i
0: suppose maybe that's what they're kicking and screaming about i, w- I wonder whether you know it's almost like in their heads they're like yeah, you know, we need to justify somehow why somebody would go out and spend seven pounds fifty or whatever it is to buy the album and we need to warn them off you know, <laughs> whatever you know we spending their hard-earned <laughs> money yeah, yeah. on Casabian um, because we don't like it i don't know it's just you know it, it's funny because i think in yeah we're just gonna have to slag off journalists here but like um it's not exactly a new theme for us so it should be okay yeah <laughs> um <laughs> you're pretending to be objective but this is a pure you know especially in music i mean for goodness sake this is a purely subjective thing yeah. like how can you possibly claim to be objective you know if, if you're not a fan just say you're not about you like i said it, that review is essentially a description of who should like it which is i suppose in some ways, quite helpful yeah. Like, does it really require the insults? Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. I I, yeah,
2: I don't. I don't know why they have to stoop to that level of. Yeah. You no, know, just yeah. I can imagine, and this, and this is the thing. I think this is where the Lad Rock label comes from, and I think that's something that the band continuously tries to distance themselves from. It's like, like yeah. why, why are we being put into this box? But anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll touch upon that later.
0: Can I just interrupt one more time? Sorry, I just to annoy you, but the um, <laughs> not just annoy you, but partly, but so um. The lad rock thing I, I think as actually I think it's probably a legitimate thing. It depends on what they mean by lad rock, but yeah, obviously I'm I'm getting the impression that it's, you know, only men of a certain age who drink a certain drink will be into this music. Which is obviously not true because we like it. Yeah. And you know, I don't drink beer, so yeah, I'm exempt. But so <laughs> with so, so with that, what's interesting about this is that it's not necessarily the it's kind of know, how do I describe this? So when I drive my car and we listen to Kasabian, apparently I drive slightly more aggressively than I do in any other listening to any other type of music. <laughs> which I'm not sure if that's what the you know anybody noticed in their reviews. But it's just an interesting item there, which which obviously if the music is making you feel like, you know, hyped up and pumped up, that's I think that's a good you know I think it's yeah I don't know. you know they've managed to create, you know, it's it's not easy to don't know, we don't need to defend them. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just interesting that people would see that as a negative.
2: I mean, well, that's a more positive way of saying the music is energetic. It's uplifting, you know. I mean, that, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that would be quite a funny review. Like, he started off, Kasabian's first album, I'm listening to it in the car, and I'm noticeably more aggressive in my driving.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not necessarily more aggressive. I suppose it is more aggressive. I don't know. But specifically, yeah. this wasn't actually, obviously, Kasabian, the first album. It was actually about their most recent one which is uh, not most recent one but whichever for one yeah, it, it, to, for crying out loud yeah yeah, yeah, whichever, yeah. whichever one that is um yeah. which i think is actually pretty awesome but anyway there's not really relevant to west west rider <laughs> at all <laughs> or what we're talking about so yeah yeah, yeah. um
2: there so yeah the final single cut off gets released the following year the very start january 2005 that reached number eight as well on the chart. So that gives them their second top 10 hit. So really they get a lot of decent commercial success at the start of their career. Again, have you actually seen the music video to cut off? It's, it's quite funny because it's just like no. running around in the street away from this flying great white shark.
0: <laughs> I might just have a look at it's it just,
2: now. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a CGI shark floating around, like in in the middle of the street, like in the air, you know, probably about, I don't know, 10, 20 feet in the air and it's just attacking people on the street. It's just such a weird video, but it's it's very memorable. Yeah, you should check it out. Now, up to this point, the band had been without a permanent drummer. And throughout that time, they had several different drummers who'd play on tour with them, as well as on this first album. And it was whilst they were recording Process Beats and Butcher Blues as well as some B-sides at a studio in Bristol that they came across their current drummer which is Ian Matthews Uh, so he played drums on those songs and he was later asked to play on tour of them in 2004 and he was ultimately made a permanent member in April 2005 so by this point essentially the band becomes a five-piece because I think up until this point the band were more seen as a four-piece so, you know, Chris edwards and chris carloff tom megan and sergio Pizzorno. so with ian matthews added into that they effectively become a five-piece band and later in 2005 they get a bit more recognition because they're playing at the other stage as it's called at the Glastonbury festival later that year you know so they're getting more recognition by playing at a festival that a uh, caliber So that concludes like the first album part of the, the story. But then we get into a more turbulent chapter, and that's the, uh, <laughs> the difficult second album. But ultimately, I mean, it's not just the album itself that's the problem. So before we go into it, so basically in February 2006, that's when they start recording the second album. They call it Empire, and they team up again with Jim Abbess. But this time, Sergio is, himself is co-producing. So this is kind of the start of this trend where Sergio mm. kind of takes the reins behind the desk to uh, produce the album. Yeah. Now, early on in this process, Chris Karloff, he's already co-written three of the new tracks. And I should mention, by the way, that on the first album, Chris Karloff and Sergio Pizzona co-wrote everything. They were the songwriting team right, behind right. All, all of the songs up to this point. Yeah. But get ready for this. So he gets asked to leave the band due to, and I quote, artistic and creative differences oh this is a classic i mean it's
0: just yeah. what does it <laughs> even mean i think
2: it's often he just threw his <laughs> television
0: through the window <laughs> drove his Rolls Royce into the swimming pool yeah. by the way i'm, I'm actually thinking potentially going to have a Rolls Royce in a swimming pool for the invitation to the event i told you about before but
2: anyway wow i mean if you're able to achieve that i mean I'd, I'd love to know the story of Hal. <laughs> like, somehow, yeah. Somehow,
0: Mostly Photoshop, I think. Mostly yeah, yeah. Photoshop, yeah, 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 Photoshop. sorry. Yeah. But yeah, so what, what does that mean, though? So, basically he had a massive argument and didn't want to carry on anymore? I,
2: I don't know. It's I almost mean, like he just
0: stormed off. I mean, obviously, it's so long ago that we don't know. do
2: there's really, there's really not enough detail about the what and the why and the how of it. I mean, apparently there's some evidence to suggest that it was also due to personal circumstances that he left, but... Anyway, something obviously happened. There was a difference of opinion. and uh, It's also vague. And, yeah, it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's
0: interesting. Yeah. It's quite major, obviously, because if, if he'd stayed there, presumably we wouldn't have West Ryder. No. Uh, I, don't, I, don't think, yeah. I don't think you would have. No, not really. Um, sub, yeah.
2: Yeah, and um, so Chris Carr, he, he would later form his own band called Black Onassis, or Onasis, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, I think it's
0: pronounced Oasis.
2: <laughs> Oasis, <laughs> but with, with an N in there as yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, I mean, he goes on to have a, a career of his own outside of Kasabian, and he gets replaced, on the tour at least, by this lead guitarist from America called Jay Meller, who interestingly would later leave Kasabian to join BDI as their yeah, bass player. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 and he's their lead guitarist for Liam Gallagher's solo albums, albums as well. Massive. So there's a bit of a connection there
0: for you. What's slightly ironic and must be needling for certain people in that particular yeah. circumstance is uh, the fact that Noel Gallagher said that if Oasis broke up and he was going to join a band, it would be Kasabian. Yeah, that's uh, interesting, so that's, that. It's all dead now, Yeah, yeah. Production company comes along and creates a super group. <laughs> a super group combining Liam Gallagher, oh. Noel Gallagher, and Kasabian. Wow. And possibly put Pete Doxy, just for... Just for, <laughs> just, just for the moulds, yeah. Yeah, just, just, for, of, yeah, exactly. just for some just, chaos. Just, just for the media, uh, yeah, for the media mayhem, yeah. As if so, Liam Gallagher
2: alone wasn't chaotic
0: enough. But that, Exactly, it's like the, yeah. the cherry on top.
2: yeah. <laughs> This is like the equivalent of fantasy football. It's like, what's your fantasy band? It's like, let's chuckle yeah. these dysfunctional rock stars in yeah. there. let yeah, see, yeah. see what happens. You know, that'd be a good reality TV project. I, would,
0: I wouldn't put the Arts and Monkeys in there, though. They should not be touched. They're not dysfunctional so they don't okay. count yeah. they are perfectly functioning well, so until, until tranquility Base Hotel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so
2: yeah so, so that's uh, that's kind of like the early rupture in that process of recording the second album so obviously that has a bit of a, an impact upon things and you know, so before the album hits the shelves, the band release in July of 2006 their first single from the album, uh, which is a title track called Empire. And uh, this is what you were telling me about earlier about how the album starts with this uh, this voicemail that's yeah. left by this. Yeah. So, so yeah, this this is a guy who, so basically he must have misdialed the band's mobile phone answering service. So yeah. he leaves his voicemail. It's quite indecipherable at the start, but basically what you can hear is, and I quote, "Coach on." at Clayton Avenue. I just want to log on when you talk to me. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So yeah, it's a great way to start the uh, his accent the is like yeah. just
0: makes it as well, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. It. Sounds like an old man just like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously talking. He's probably talking about some completely yeah. different that He
0: might yeah. still be there. <laughs> you know I mean? like waiting for them to call me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so many years later yeah actually
0: a really strong a uh, really strong song i wouldn't say album actually but
2: yeah that song is, is brilliant i mean yes yeah, so it does well too it reaches yeah. number nine so another top 10 hit for them and silver certified as well so sells over 200 000 copies so yeah good great and uh, to be fair again a great video have you, have you seen the
0: no I, I i honestly like i don't understand what but like, you know, no, i know i know obviously yeah you're part of the mtv generation <laughs> but, but i i don't know i just never like i don't, I don't really see yeah, you know i just listen to yeah. it yeah i, I suppose it, i suppose it makes sense to watch the video as well just to get a vibe but sometimes yeah. that, if you've already got the vibe in your head then you watch the video sometimes it can mess it up it's a bit like video for um uh what's the jam song it's like a b-side so going on the ground but yeah, it's, just, it's just really weird anyway yeah, um.
2: yeah no, I mean I think you, I think you'd like it because it's it's all set against this backdrop of like a 19th century I knew um, you were going to say that yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's again that's their vibe isn't it it's yeah. really interesting how they keep bringing that up and of course they do it again for West Rider in a sense
2: absolutely Yeah, they, they seem to have this uh, this uh, attachment to, to that sort of thing don't they so yeah the album gets released later in August of that year and here it reaches number one so Again, when they talk about the difficult second album, they still they still do commercially well out of it. Double Platinum sells over 800,000 copies. So again, really really good, really good performance there.
0: I was going to say slightly inexplicably, maybe that's a bit unfair. Starting sound like a starting to sound like a music critic here. Yeah, well, to, to be fair, I mean... I've only listened to it a couple of times.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've listened to it a few times over the years and I... I never particularly rated it. I think there's only two songs I like off it: "Shoot the Runner" and "Empire." Yeah. the rest, the Empire, rest is yeah. is forgettable, really. Um, it's kind of land, yeah, yeah, yeah. landfill indie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god,
2: one for another time. That that particular yes. topic. But yeah. It, so, interestingly, like their debut album. This second album again it it, it attracts divided critical opinion. So some some critics think, yeah, this is great. You know, it's more ambitious. It's big budget production. Um, Yeah, this is this
0: is what's funny about the music press, right? As soon as something like this happens, where it's like, are they actually the people who actually liked the previous one don't like it anymore? They're like, yes, (laughs) this is it. They've made it.
1: Just yeah, like, it's like, it's like, yeah yeah so you could
0: literally set a clock by how often like they get it almost 180 degrees wrong. Like, yeah oh, yeah it, it's almost like you know it's almost like flipping
2: a coin isn't it it's like am i gonna get it right this time is my yeah, opinion literally. going to chime with the popular mood or not yeah oh well heads or tails let's see what it's, happens. It's, it's
0: it's almost like you know what it's like actually I, I was thinking about this before and when we were talking about it before and how they sort of try to get ahead of the trend and then sort of make out that they were somehow leading the trend. But like, now that I've thought about it, I actually know what it's like. So are you familiar with this kind of football betting, predicting the future type scam that used to be really big, a couple of maybe decades ago, actually, probably? Basically, somebody would somehow nefariously add you to an email list or some kind of messaging service thing, and then say something like, World Cup's coming up, I'm going to predict the winners for every single game, whatever. But you'd have thousands of people on this email list. And then yeah, you would send various randomized versions of all the different possible outcomes of each match to various different people. And then gradually, one by one, there was sort of like people would log off as they realized that you'd obviously completely got it wrong. But then for that one person who got the randomized version of the tournament that you got that was completely correct, hmm. purely by chance, because you randomized all of the results and and calculated all the possible outcomes and then just... I emailed it to random people. He is totally convinced that you can foretell the future. Do you know what I mean like just because, <laughs> just because you've sent so many different people all the different possible outcomes? And that's I think maybe one of the sort of like what the music press is trying to do. It's like okay, so we've this time we're going to go with this, and if we get it right, then we'll be at the head of the wave, and then people will buy loads of our magazine next time, looking forward to our review of this one because they mm. know that we're going to predict what's cool next. Yeah, well, that's
1: what happened with Be Here Now, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it exactly is, what happened yeah.
2: with Be Here Now. So it's, yeah. it's, it is a thing, for sure. Well, at least they used to do. It got it wrong with um, What's the Story, didn't they? You know, it wasn't, like, critically praised upon its release. And then when they yeah. realised, oh, the public actually love it, I
0: was like, oh, <laughs> oh shit,
1: we've got to get it right next time. And then they completely
2: yeah. over-praised Be Here now. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so there you go.
0: Yeah, classic.
2: yeah. But yeah, still, still touch upon the critical response then. So yeah, some some critics loved it. They thought, well, yeah, bigger budget production sounds great and also mixing several influences. So, so they, they they really appreciated the effort that was put into it. But others felt that the album actually fell short of the band's own confident expectations at the time. And they, they thought like Tom Megan's vocals were generally weaker and also just thought the songs themselves were just rehashing sounds of other established British rock bands which I thought right. yeah, it's, it's I mean you and me we we both agree that yeah this, the, the, most of the album isn't, is just kind of filler and it's not particularly memorable I'm not quite sure I agree with this notion of the vocals being weak or whatever but I do think, like, it, it all kind of blends together, doesn't it? So it's, it's all quite yeah. It's all quite it does, Yeah, after the yeah. first
0: few distinctive tracks, yeah. Yeah, it does seem to be a bit like that. Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, there's a second single that gets released after the album itself gets released uh, later in November of that year. So it hits number 17 in the chart, and uh, uh, it's called Shoot the Runner, which is a personal yeah. favourite of mine. Classic. It, it becomes another anthem that's featured in various video games and TV series, and it's accompanied by this music video director by Alex and Martin, who are famous for the music videos behind Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes, yeah. but also Go of the Flow by Queens of Stone Age. So like this um, almost cartoonish graphics, right. really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it is a great video. And, and also, interestingly, this is the first Cassadian single penned only by Sergio. So it's not a co-written single. So this is oh. kind of like the first post-carloff success, yeah. really. And then you have a final album single called Me Plus One, which again it's not not one I personally like for me it's quite forgettable that gets released the following year in January 2007 that charts number 22 and it's also the first Kasabian single to feature Sergio himself on lead vocals instead of Tom Laban. most of the Kasabian songs are sung by Tom himself but you know it's kind of like Noel Gallagher isn't it where occasionally he gets a bit of a shoe in as well on on the lead vocals And later that year, two thousand seven, the band win Best Live Act by Enemy as well so at the Enemy Awards. Um, so again, they're getting at least press recognition from the Enemy in that sense. You know, it's kind of like the Libertines, isn't it? You know, there's some there's some music journalists who back the band all the way throughout their time.
0: But that's what I'm wondering. Are they just part of the randomised control trial? Do <laughs> I mean like the? Um, Have <laughs> they just flipped the coin the other way and they're just yeah. gambling on the fact that they eventually will get it right?
2: Yeah. But but uh I just wanted to quickly mention about Shooter Runner. Yeah. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the works of Deep Purple, but
0: um <laughs> uh, well, well I, I mean I'm uh, not massively familiar. I know I know a few of their tracks, yeah.
2: Well one of their early singles was called Black Knight and Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And listen to that and then listen to shoot the runner and oh, really <laughs> I, ch- I challenge you not to recognize the similarities in that guitar riff
0: that's interesting
2: it is a brilliant riff to be fair so it's, it's very glam i don't know it's uh hey, what glam G-M-A-M. glam Glam rock yeah like, yeah, okay. yeah yeah that's one yeah. meant. yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah that, that's look. the kind of this kind of vibe i get from shoot the runner at least it's almost I, okay. it, I think it's just like uh yeah. i don't know it's just the sound of it and the riff i just thought yeah this sounds uh I thought it sounds very seventies. That single, oh, that's that's why I quite like to. Okay. Let's talk about Wes Porter, Lunatic, oh, oh, Wes right. yeah. West Pointer, Lunatic Asylum, or West Ryder,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's such a long name. <laughs> have you even prepared for this episode at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I think it's just I prepared for it a few weeks back.
2: <laughs> no,
1: <it's> <laughs> not, <laughs> I'm, I'm really I really do. I can tell. I can tell you have, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, in
0: a sentence, my vibe on this album, having listened, yeah, you know, re-listened to it and sort of thought about it from the point of view of what we're talking about here. Yeah. it's the third the third studio album again. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like it's like half classic Kasabian Lad Rock. Hmm. <laughs> um, half kind of like this yeah. dreadful Jack the Ripper, almost horror kind of vibe. Yeah, that. yeah, I like, think. Um, thing going think... on. A semi-concept album, which the concept of which is sort of somewhere in between. Yeah, I suppose it's almost like maniacs planning a revolution, but they are all just in an asylum, so it doesn't really matter that much.
2: I agree with that, actually. I think that's a really good way to summarise the, uh, the tone of the album, for sure. I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, in my notes here, one of the conscious changes of approach that the band took to making this album was that Sergio wanted to record a concept album, and that was inspired by him watching this documentary about West riding pauper lunatic asylum, which was this <laughs> mental institution <laughs> in West Yorkshire. It was, so it was built in 1818, apparently, and it was one of the first yeah. mental institutions for the poor. Yeah,
0: fun fact for you. Um, I, yeah. We actually, uh, back in um, 2000, um, when did this album come out? 2009. Yeah. So just before this, in my very first year of history at university, we actually studied prisons and lunatic, lunatic asylums in the 18th and 19th century. Wow. So actually, this is really weird because it does actually... There's actually a lot here that's actually really interesting for me. Not that yeah. it's particularly relevant for anybody else, but there is this sense that because the Victorians are all very much like um, I mean it's 1818, so it's not really the Victorians, but getting there is just sort of like historically speaking, you have this mindset where everything's sort of being transformed into a factory institution. Yeah, so you have factories, obviously, then you start having prisons, which are almost like factories for bad people and Schools, which are sort of institutions for education, uh, yeah, much later on. To be fair, 1880s, I think. But um, and then also lunatic asylums, which are basically prisons or uh, rehabilitation centres in theory for people who are considered mad, which can be anything from being literally like unable to do basic things or having political views which are outside the mainstream. <laughs> Yeah, which, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I think it's quite funny yeah, and it's, yeah. it's probably usually, usually what people think is so sinister about lunatic Asylum is that somebody who's actually sane is actually in this asylum being treated as if they're insane but yeah. actually it's a bit like and here's another reference which nobody's going to get unless they really know their stuff in A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy the main character visits an island, visits uh, a planet where there's just nothing but an ocean with one island in it and in that island there's a it's like a shed that's been built from the outside in. So like on the outside of the shed is carpet, wallpaper, pot plants, all kinds of stuff. And then on the inside of the shed is this little area where there's this guy sitting there like at a desk and he's just kind of like drawing stuff or writing stuff. And this is called the asylum. And this man has built the asylum for the rest of the world, essentially, because he considers himself to be the only sane person <laughs> to, be, to, be, to, be, yeah, to, to be in existence. And yeah, anyway, anyway, that's not really relevant at all. But yeah, so well, well, it's just yeah. an interesting topic for them to pick on because it is so really creepy.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Are you saying that that's where the phrase almost comes from of, I'm not the one who's insane. It's the, west of, it's the rest of the world that's insane. No,
0: it doesn't come from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I think the amusing thing about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is that he obviously makes such a big joke out of it. He's oh, sort of saying I see, yeah. that the actual fundamental reason why the guy built the asylum for the world, the fact that he's the only one who's not in it is quite funny. But like <laughs> yeah. also, also the fact that he, he did it because he found instructions on the side of a packet of toothpicks <laughs> Which he considers to be, you know, a step too far for his liking. But, um, I, you know, I think it's quite a common thing. It's sort of like, I mean, we could talk about any number of things that are happening in the world that people will just accept, and that's considered to be sane simply because everybody else is doing it. Versus what makes more sense if you think about it logically, but nobody wants to take responsibility for actually doing the thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is all very conceptual, not really relevant to the album. But yeah, I mean, it's all part of the, the weird creepiness which is around lunatic asylums which is what this makes this album so powerful i think yeah I, it's interesting because i think sergio
2: wanted the uh, he wanted each track on the album to represent an inmate in the asylum apparently
1: i
0: like and, that i like yeah, that no, i think that yeah. works i you yeah, funnily enough actually now that you've said that i actually wonder whether that does work more as a concept album now that i know that than it did before because originally i thought oh the first couple of tracks like uh, underdog and um where did all the love go and all those don't really make sense in the context of the rest of the album but yeah. actually now that you've said that maybe they do so you've got the uh, you know the underdog who's like a boxer who's like yeah you know, yeah just wants to yeah. fight everybody or whatever yeah where did all the love go is like the sort of like hippie who's just kind of gone a bit crazy and doesn't really understand anything I mean, i've got a couple of others but obviously we don't really know west rider silver bullet is like I don't know what the context of that one would be. I, without the lyrics in front of me, I can't... I, I remember how the song goes, but I can't...
2: In my notes here, I've got uh, Sounds Like a Sea Shanty Pirate song. <laughs> and... Um, yeah. Appa- apparently... Okay. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah, I yeah, agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually listened... To, oh, here we go again. But, like, I... <laughs> I listened to an interview with Zane Lowe <laughs> that he did prior to the album's release, uh, where yeah. he's talking to the band about like, how they made the album stuff. And in that particular interview, uh, Sergio describes it as like a Bonnie and Clyde-inspired story about two people who are like completely yeah. infatuated with each other and yet yeah, destroy yeah, yeah. everything else around yeah, them. Yeah,
0: that makes basically. sense, yeah.
2: he, he meant for it to be like a, an opening scene to a road movie. And well, actually, it features vocals like a duet uh, between yes. Tom Egan and American actress Rosario Dawson. I, I never yeah. knew yeah. that. I I, I knew mean, that.
0: don't know who that is, but yeah, 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 yeah. it's but, very powerful. I, I actually put in yeah. one of my favourite songs on the album.
2: Yeah, same. Yeah, it's a really, yeah. it's a really good song. Almost expect that from the title track, wouldn't you? But uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah,
0: um... Vlad the Impaler is obviously the psychotic guy oh. who thinks he's a vampire. as Thieves, I think, probably more like it's, it's very similar to West Silver Bullet, but like probably more of a you know like a gang member type thing right you know a male bond rather than a male female bond
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah i don't know it's it's interesting i I actually really want to listen to it back again now so just (laughs) i need to just read the tracks and see if this makes sense but you you carry on sorry i know i banged on about this for about 10 minutes now but
2: yeah no i think um in terms of influences i think sergio wanted to make a psychedelic record, but he didn't want to ape like some obvious retro-inspired sounds. Like he didn't want to, he didn't want it to sound like this. Really, like almost like a pastiche to 60s psychedelia. Like he wanted to create a sound that was unique. And intelligent and forward-looking. So that that was that was you know that's uh, that, that's okay. his that's his words, not mine. <laughs> so yeah. like uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so
0: that was. Um... How how does anybody write that seriously? Like how do you <laughs> like? Sorry, it's just so pretentious. I'm sorry. It's just, I get it, but like, it's yeah. a bit like when Paul Weller comes out of the Style Council and says, "Yeah, we're you know, it's the spearhead of a political movement to whatever." Like, it's just <laughs> what are you talking about. Let's well, just just write the song. Get on with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, just also just just touching upon the the theme that we you know the whole lunatic asylum and everything, but the, mm. the album cover itself is pretty good as well. You know, all these, yeah, yeah, all it's these, awesome. yeah, they're all dressed like for a party at an asylum. They're looking at themselves in the mirror. It's pretty yeah. cool, isn't it? I mean, I like, you, you
0: say that, but you could sort of imagine the people in the asylum actually wearing this stuff because they all think they're either revolutionaries, yeah, uh, like bandits or like you know generals yeah. or like, that z- zany characters from history, basically.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just looking at the album cover now, and like Tom Megan's dressed like he's Napoleon, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got. You've got Chris Edwards with this like this mask over him, but yeah. is, and I think actually yeah. that's meant to be looking at that now. I feel like that's almost meant to be like a reference to their first album cover because you've got this image of a guy wearing like some sort of mask to hide his oh, identity. Maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: but yeah, no. So it's, it's a really it's a really distinctive cover so as far as album covers go. It's it's very memorable.
0: I don't want to ruin it, but like, so when did Coldplay's Viva la Whatever it was come out exactly?
2: Two thousand and eight, I think. Yeah.
0: Well, that's I'm when... That's... Swear, swear. So they basically just copied the album. Oh, no, they haven't copied it. No, that's okay. I was wondering whether they made... Yeah, okay. That's basically they've taken a popular painting and just put their... They just graffitied a popular painting, basically. But, um, <laughs> that's not the same thing at all. But maybe that was partly vibe i mean as, as i mean yeah as we talked about before in terms of the life element of this yeah and the time history element of it 2008 obviously is the turning point for everybody celebrating great things to getting really resentful about the fact that there was an economic crash and i wonder whether that is part of the dark because they've been, sort of always been dark haven't they but
2: yeah yeah they've never shied away from that i think like yeah i mentioned this before a few weeks ago but like i think you could definitely view this album in the same vein as uh, Humbug, couldn't you? comes out the mm. same year, dark undertones, bit of a change of direction.
0: Slightly revolutionary, you know, almost, yeah.
2: uh, vibe. Absolutely. Oh, Viva La Vida. Oh, God, I, hated, I hated that. Oh, this, I mean, but, yeah. uh, you know... It's, quite, it's, quite, it's just not yeah. our vibe, is it? It's just not uh, our vibe. Uh, I, for me, Coldplay, the, the earliest stuff, anything pre-Viva La Vida, you know, they, had some, they had some decent tracks, but then after that, this is when they went into their kind of... Global, almost U2-sized, ambitious, sort of yeah, pop-conquering, generic you know, world, yeah, pop,
1: yeah, yeah stadium-filling, yeah, like, yeah, it's and, and just,
0: also, I, th- I think it's always really telling when you look at the. Uh... <laughs> Everybody's gonna hate me for this, yeah. but I'm gonna say anyway. The audience of the band when you go into a gig—not I've ever been to a Coldplay gig, but <sighs> yeah, I know I-, I can tell by the type of people who talk about it. No offense, but like, um, when the band is mostly men, then you know you're sort of onto a winner. It's like yeah this is, actually, <laughs> this is actually rock and roll whereas you know other bands tend to their you know like harry styles yeah you know, uh, harry styles you know coldplay harry styles or like you know, any of these silly bands More just more heartthrobs aren't they exactly the yeah, yeah. that's yeah. like that's <laughs> like their appeal is now almost all women and it's just like what yeah you know, what what are you doing here like this is just weird <laughs> i mean yeah okay that's fine that's an audience but don't pretend you're like rock and roll champions okay <laughs>
2: It's almost like... Uh, Horrific scenes, yeah,
0: I'm sorry.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Am I sorry, though?
2: No, you're not. And it's never stopped me before, has it, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
0: outrageous. <laughs> and it won't stop me again.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've already touched upon, like, certainly this theme with this album and, and this change of approach, but there's also... There's, a, there's kind of a couple of other things I wanted to touch upon here, which is actually... The process they took to writing this album so basically it starts sort of mid 2007 which is kind of where we, we left off with the second album so after four years of solid touring they finally returned to the home city of Leicester and you know it's, flex-
0: just so, it's just so gruelling isn't it yeah yeah Can I can't you imagine? imagine I can't yeah. no, I can't I'd just be horrific I mean pretty much all over the world as well
1: yeah,
2: I mean it, well yeah they had, yeah. Um and that's part of being in that rock and roll machine, isn't it? It's like you, years, you did yeah. yeah, that's the thing. So they never really had a break, and basically they felt that they'd rushed making the second album, which basically
0: is reflected in the sound of the album, I guess, isn't yeah, it? I it's, think so. It's also yeah. it's also pretty insane that they've only done two albums and they can still tour for four years without running out of stuff obviously. yeah
2: i guess the album just did well internationally as well and they, they had the opportunity yeah. for, to, to, to capitalize on it you know i guess that's from, from, from the music business point of view that's what they want it's like we just want to you know squeeze this lemon as much as we can really, into, yeah. and boy did they but but yeah with the second album they, they actually recorded that in five weeks i mean that's nothing really um that's that's pretty quick and you know sorry, what for West Rider? No, for the second oh, album. For Empire, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah for Empire they they recorded in five weeks. So- so this time around with West Ryder, they wanted to take their time with it. Really, they didn't want to rush it. So instead, they spent like six months in their Leicester-based studio. And uh, so they basically they've got their own studio in the countryside. I think Sergio probably built it. And um, yeah. what they did is they you know writing new material, but also they were experimenting a lot with like different instruments and effects compared to like, what they perhaps they've been using before. And also they just wanted to relax a bit and feel refreshed before they went out and talking. And so you know all all that is really Fair enough, isn't it? You know, if you've been on tour for four years, you're just probably feeling drained after that. You're Like, in some ways, it you know, some people, it makes people quit altogether because they just can't yeah. hack it. So yeah, it's it's, yeah, good, yeah. it's good that they took a break. And Sergio's process, really, from a songwriting perspective is, you know, he tends to write the songs at home, he records this little demo and he brings it into the studio. And, and then they... I mean with this album they, they tended to, to focus a lot on like getting the right sound as well so all this time they're just experimenting with different sounds so actually when you think of this band I think they're in some ways they're, they're quite like a bunch of sonic nerds really like they love yeah. Yeah. they love just messing around with different instruments and going like, yeah. oh well, that sounds cool let's chuck that in so they definitely have that approach to, to making music and before the album before they released the album in 2009 so they actually released uh, an EP in 2007 called the Fast Fuse EP so that contains the yeah. song fast views, but also thicker speeds, which obviously both um appear yeah later on the album but also here's here's another important difference so you know obviously up to this point they've been working with Jim Abbas and also with Sergio co-producing but this time Sergio wanted to work with a different producer because he was he wanted to get like a different sound on this yeah. album um he wanted to get a different pair of ears on it and he thought a hip hop producer would bring a different flavor to the sound. Like he didn't want a rock producer on it because he felt it would not do justice to the sound he was trying to produce, really. So he collaborates instead with a song called Dan the Automator, who's best known for his work on the Gorillaz' first album. So if you can remember, like the, the songs that came off of that first album, but, you know, Dan the Automator was key to that sound, really. That came from it. And so really what, what happened was that, so essentially by the time Sergio actually spoke to this producer, the album was mostly done. It was about 80% of the way there. And they'd re- done the recording back in Leicester, but... He wanted to get the right sound, as, as I mentioned, you know, to get, get the right kind of sonic character, really, compared to the, the, the previous albums. And, uh, you know, he met with him in France whilst he was already working on another album and does exchange ideas. If effectively, he managed to convince Dan the Automator to help him co-produce the entire record. And so what happens is that when he gets drafted in as producer, his approach is, I'm only going to preserve two key elements of the Kasein sound, so... Effectively, their unique guitar sounds as well as their backing vocals. Everything else, I'm going to do what's right for the song, essentially. So he's not coming in with any preconceived intent or ideas. He's going to, you know, for every single song, he's going to do what works best for it to, to, to make it sound the best it can. And, uh, you know, Sergio himself thought that their second album had just too much going on there's too too many layers it was almost quite chaotic really so Sergio's approach almost was like I just want to focus the sound on a few key core elements such as the drums and the bass and to amplify their presence so that it gives it like this overall punch so it's almost it's this classic notion of less is more you know if you have less things going on they've got more room to breathe and to stand out
0: I think it's also quite a common band thing to do, isn't it? Because it's kind of like a bit of like Be Here Now where you sort of like, oh, we've made this a bit, like we've overproduced it. Going to try and go back to basics and see if we can get it right again.
1: Yeah.
2: So the the following year, so kind of summer of 2008, the the band was starting to rotest these songs um, from the new album, just like a few low-key gigs ahead of this headline slot They were doing at the Creamfields Festival later that year. And and it's, yeah, yeah yeah that's a good example of how I guess they're trying to break have, out into that dance yeah well I guess it got a bit of crossover appeal because they're not just a rock band are they they've also got yeah. like, a dance music influence so it's like yeah. it could appeal to different leanings I guess really and yeah. And doing those gigs, it gave them confidence in their new material, really, and they collectively decided to upsticks to San Francisco to finish off the remaining uh, 20% of the album. And the mastering was completed in December later that year in in, uh, in New York as well. Uh, and so basically you get to 2009 and that's when the, the album gets released. So... But uh, they do like this free download off their official website called Vladimir Paylor. And I actually remember downloading it at the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's probably one of my favorite tracks from the album. Yeah, it is.
0: It's a very strong, uh, really strong track, actually. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In some ways, I mean, I was going to mention this later, but. There's a bit of hip-hop influence in the general Kasabian sound anyway, and I think Vladimir Pale is definitely an example of that, because like, yeah. you know, it's more like almost, yeah, like spoken word rapping rather than like actual singing. It's kind of like a combination of both, and it's, yeah. uh, so it definitely has like, part of this crossover appeal that they've got it's not just, when, you know, I think as I mentioned before, like, you know, Sergio saying, you know, we're not just a meat and potatoes rock and roll band, that's like, as if there's anything necessarily wrong with meat and potatoes Yeah, rock exactly, and roll. Yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, and I have been half on about music videos, but like, you got to check out big music video, because <laughs> yeah, Noel, Noel, fun, Noel Fielding, is yeah, obviously yeah, a fan yeah. of the band, and he looks like Sergio as well with his hair. He do, yeah, he does definitely. look like he should be in
0: the band, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I always yeah, thought that about him, actually. Yeah. I always thought that while I was making yeah, you know, we were watching Bake Off in whenever it was 2015. Oh, yeah, Kasabian is on TV. Yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yes,
2: no. did, did, did you ever watch The Mighty Boosh? Were you ever a fan of that? No,
0: oh. no, I never really. It's just a bit too zany for me. <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it, it is a bit out there. Yeah, yeah, I never really got yeah. into it myself. But anyway, literally just a few days before the album's released, the second, well, I guess the, sorry, the first official album single, Fire, gets released and it hits number three. And it becomes their, interestingly, it's their fourth, but also their final top 10 hit. And it's also their highest charting single to date. Achieves gold status, so selling over 400,000 copies. And again, it has a life beyond all of this. You know, it becomes heavily associated with, like, UK football. Yeah. It becomes the official song of the Premier League, like, between 2010 and 2013. It becomes, is, I think this is, yeah. like,
0: you know, how you know that the song is a good song. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not because it's, it's because people start using it for stuff, which exactly. I think is quite cool.
2: Yeah, kind of links with the Black Keys, doesn't it, in terms of like commercial yeah. um, use, doesn't it? It even becomes Leicester City's football club's uh, goal music as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're desperately trying to just avoid this lad rock image and and, yet, and yet, just keeps bringing them back. Yeah,
2: yeah, and yet, yes, uh, it's this football association, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and a couple of years later, again, Enemy ranks at number 65 on its list of 150 best tracks of the past 15 years. So it's, wow. uh, it's held in high esteem. And really, when they tour later that year for the album, it becomes effectively the biggest song on their set list, which is quite remarkable, really, considering it's a new song at the time. And from personal experience, when I actually saw them on tour, um, so I saw them at Wolverhampton Civic I think it was the 25th of August. I think I've got it in my notes here. And yeah, when they played that song, it was, I mean, the place erupted. It was insane. Also, I think at the time it was really exciting because like me and my mates were all listening, like we were all really like getting hyped up and we were listening to this song. And like, you know, I was at house parties and stuff and people were sticking it on. And and the fact that it's like, it's nothing quite as exciting as like one of your favourite bands topping the charts you're like wow this yeah, is great it's, it's like it's like it's you, you up there
1: yeah yeah it's like you, <laughs> you,
2: you normally, normally see your own favourite music in the charts and yeah. like, to suddenly hear it it's like yes you know justice is being done you know it's like <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes no it's that's true yeah, yeah, yeah definitely it's definitely. like come,
2: come on let's have it you know it was a great time yeah I certainly remember it, it was, yeah I really, I really enjoyed it it was, uh, it was hectic
0: that's so like, yeah a completely different note I was just looking at the enemy's top 150 songs for the last 15 years <laughs> And honestly, I like, want the, the hell put this list together. <laughs> I mean, okay, there was one I do. There uh, are two I do agree with. The first one is "Time for Heroes," which was obviously number ten. Yeah, and then I bet you look good on the dance floor. is number eleven. I'm not sure okay. about that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. Outrageous. But number one is yeah. "Paranoid Android." Oh, God, Radiohead. Yeah, uh, oh, Christ. Do I want that? Okay, anyway, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I can't sorry. Rage Your Radiohead.
2: So, yeah, that so Fire gets released just before the album itself. And as soon as it does hit the shelves a few days later, it immediately hits number one. So, again, another number one album, double platinum status, over 800,000 copies. So, again, this this is a band that consistently sells well. Again, this is a time where, you know, you still have. A lot of like music piracy going on. People choosing to download rather than buy physical (laughs) copies of of the music. But the fact they're still achieving this, even as like you know, as we've discussed many times before, you know, where at this time in in a decade, you know, pop music is starting to take over again um, in that kind of typical music cycle, and and yet you have a you have a rock band that's still you know saving rock and roll, still Still, flying the flag, still able
0: still able to sell out, (laughs) sell out,
1: (laughs) yeah.
2: So, from a promotional perspective as well, the timing was very fortuitous actually because they would get invited by Oasis to join them on their sellout stadium tour during oh, the, that year. Oh, Since, the Yeah, that's it. It's Destiny
0: course. Yeah.
2: But, <laughs> funnily enough, my mum and dad saw Oasis in Wembley and Kasabian were supporting. So they, nice. Uh, they, yeah, yeah. They, 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 yeah. So I thought, wow, imagine being at that game. Mega. Yeah, all the lager being chucked around in the air. Yeah, huge.
0: (laughs) Ladder rock.
2: Yeah. And a second single as well from the album, Where Did All The Love Go? So that gets released in August, and that reaches number 30, so it's another top 40 song. Interestingly, the inspiration for this song was like, I guess Sergio was just sort of commenting on how, I mean, it's almost quite prophetic in some ways, because it's saying like how modern news, reporting, social media and the internet are just generally resulting in... Yeah, when people... Gr- yeah, negativity and people growing up too quickly, like kids, you know, exposed to this stuff, and yeah, it's quite a serious theme, really, but although, to be honest, listening to the listen to the song, I wouldn't have really detected that myself. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then in October, their third single, Underdog, which is, you know, this is a great track, released and, yeah, in that month, and Despite only hitting number 32 in the singles chart, it becomes very widely popular. You know, it gets featured heavily in the world of film and TV series, sports programmes, etc, etc. And interestingly, so this marks the point where really Kasabian would only achieve two more top 40 singles, you know, late in their career. And that was with "Days Are Forgotten" from the Velociraptor album in 2011, and also "Easy" or "Easy" or whatever you pronounce yeah. it from their 4813 yeah. 13 album. So that's it. Yeah, you know, this, this almost marks a watershed point really for them commercially. It's
0: kind of, um, I think it's, it's a bit unfair. Obviously, they fell mm. out of favor, so they've sort of not really. I thought Velociraptor was actually a really good album.
2: Yeah, they had some decent tunes on it. I mean, I've,
0: I've still. And same, and similarly, um, crying out loud, but not. I wasn't really keen on. Was it forty three eighteen? Is that what it's called?
1: Forty eight thirteen, yeah.
0: So, it's, 30, so it's a run, runtime of
1: the
2: album. Is <laughs> it? Yeah, yeah. 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 But
0: that's what I mean. Like, you know, what, what, what is that? Just...
2: I, I thought it was a bit more of a dance record. That one. yeah, yeah it I is. I think really... it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. Yeah. never yeah. really to that one, but yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, they, they re-release the Pale" in February twenty ten is like the final official album uh, single, <laughs> but uh, but it, it, it charts yeah. one hundred fourteen, so it doesn't make yeah. a dent, to be honest. Yeah. So let's talk about the reviews. So generally received positively again um so so some of the critics love the new darker more psychedelic direction you know the use of different instruments you know if they, they thought it's marking a departure from the mad chest-inspired dance rock sound of previous albums but predictably other critics, again, were less impressed. You know, they thought, again, there's half-baked songs in there. It's being overcompensated for with pretentious studio gimmickry. It's not going to impress everybody. And that's what we've come to expect looking at this band so far.
0: Sorry, just quickly. I, I, one of the specific ones, which is on the Wikipedia page, is yeah. from Bill Stewart of Pop Matters, whoever that is. So said that all the gimmicky studio effects in the world can't mask the fact that this album was likely to be the one of the most hollow you'll hear all year.
2: I just don't get that. She has a nice
0: little rhyme at the end of it, but otherwise it's devoid of content.
2: Yeah, I don't really. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I think that's what he's trying to say. In fact, <laughs> what you just said, I just don't get it. Is what he's trying <laughs> yeah. to say, but which yeah. is fine. You, yeah, you yeah. don't get it. That's okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. I do. You know, what, I do. I've never really understood how music journalism actually works. You know, like, I, do they just like? have people you know they sit in a the boardroom <laughs> and go, and they, they just sit in a boardroom and go right you mister you're gonna cover the new Kasabian album and he's like oh I don't really want to do it yeah but yeah. you've got to do it and it's just like yeah. oh, okay you know and it's just yeah. like already the review is, is is negative because yeah. you put a guy on there who doesn't want to do it. I don't know I don't, I don't know if that's how it's it is
0: yeah. who knows but yeah I mean it seems to be quite strange the way that they try and yeah. do it
2: Maybe they put people in rotation, so it's never the same person or the review. Well, I, think, I think also, that, I
0: yeah. mean, there is, a, there is a question here about, I mean, I don't want to, well, whatever. There is a question about the quality of journalism, if you know what I mean, like the quality yeah. of people's education in a sense. I feel like back in the day, people were able to make the judgment and the review without actually insulting anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it seems to be all about the, the, the little quip about whoever's it's almost like trolling the band it's like yeah like, what, it is yeah, yeah it's yeah. like what what you know, what how is this helpful in any <clears> way like what what is your what's your purpose you've got this massive platform and now you're just yeah i don't know it's just it's just funny isn't it it's just weird like what is their function there's, there's, there's no need. there's no need for it really you know
2: is it, you, you can say i don't really understand the album or it's not for me without Insulting the person who wrote it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, uh,
2: yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, despite, so despite that, the accolades come rolling in, really. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mentioned how, like, they get nominated for the 2009 Mercury Prize, but also it gets voted album of the year by Q Magazine. And again, I remember this because I had subscriptions to Q at the time, and I remember seeing that. And, you know, again, it, it felt great to see, like, a favorite band of yours, you know, again, yeah. that representation in the media, but also, the following year, they'd win Best Group at the 2010 Brit Awards, and also Best Act in the World Today at that year's Q Awards as well. So again, again, you know, not all the critics are going to like it, but they're getting the recognition they deserve. You know, for putting all that hard effort in. You know, and it was it was a huge album. You know, I, I mean, it was, when I was kind of listening back on the album. It kind of brought all these memories back of like how. Yeah, it was yeah, it was really big at the time. It was it was great. Sure. It was just, yeah, it was just seeing it in the charts. I this yeah, is you know yeah. just never. It's like this never happens. You know, great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I was really. I must I really admit,
0: kept... at the time, I, I really wasn't. I don't know. I didn't really feel it at the time. Like I say, I got into Kasabian via Velociraptor properly. I think. Okay. So I, I you know, I was you know, I wasn't there, man. But I get it now. <laughs> I get the vibe. You know.
2: Yeah, I got into Kasabian through. Uh, it was through my mate Dan, you know, when I was at sixth form. So he, this was the same guy who got me into um, Oasis and the Stone Roses and all that. And, and I remember him, get, you know, saying like, "Oh yeah, if you like Stone Roses, you'll like the Sabian." And then that's when I started listening to them. And um, it wasn't one of those bands I discovered on the Zane Lowe show or something like that. It was uh, it was something that I came across, um, yeah, you know, through yeah, a, a friend of mine. And I W-O-M. went to yeah, yeah, and I uh, I went to um, that gig with him. A couple of funny stories, really. So the first story was we were on the train to Wolverhampton because the civic hall was just a short walk from the train station, so it was, yeah. you know it's quite handy. And we were on this. Um, it's probably like a Virgin Pendolino or something, and uh, we there was no seat because I think it was uh, I think it was probably like a. F- I can't remember what day of the week it was, but the, 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 I remember the train being packed, so it's probably yeah. full of Kasabian fans. For one yeah, thing, yeah, exactly. But Everybody's, yeah, 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 yeah Everybody's everyone, yeah, Kasabian, yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> um, we couldn't find any seats; we were just called sort of like in between the carriages. And there was this guy who was um, who was also stood there with us, and he overheard us talking about Kasabian because we were all like really hyped up for it, and he he got involved in the conversation. And then he said something really weird. He's just like, yeah, it, he said, he said, um, he said, yeah, um, yeah, I always found conceiving a bit too oikish for me personally. And we're like, what
1: the fuck?
2: Oikish? It's like, who, who says that? Yeah. It's like, what? what? Yeah. At the time, we, you know, we, we didn't make a thing of it. But as soon as we got off the train, we we're like, who was that guy? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what yeah. would what, what, what we say? And then. Um, yeah. It and,
0: wasn't Prince Harry or someone like this. no, no.
2: <laughs> No, he definitely wasn't royalty, that's for sure. Uh, but like, I thought um, sure he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's just really weird. And then, um, and we got there quite early as well, so we were hanging around the outside for a bit. There was no cure or anything like, at that point. Nice. We, we were there quite early, probably about a good hour before the doors opened. And then um, wow. Now, Civic Hall has another venue on the other side of it, so it's actually two venues in one space. And okay. when we were like just hanging around, we could hear "Falls Gold" by the Stone Roses, and we thought, oh, so they've got that on in the other venue. Yeah. But then we, on upon close inspection, we realised it wasn't the studio track; it was a live version being performed. And as it transpired, when we did a little research on our phones. It yeah. turns out that none other than Ian Brown was gonna play that night. Yeah, and he was amazing. he was doing a warm-up um, yeah, yeah. and we got honestly, we we're like a couple little groupies. We're like, oh my god, Ian Brown's <laughs> oh, playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. we're just so excited. It's like the stars have aligned, you know, it's incredible like, you know, what, scenes, we, yeah. 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 to be fair, it's a I manifest
0: think, destiny as, a, as before us yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: But to be fair, I think Casabian would have been the better gig that night because Ian Brown can't sing for shit. You know, I, I know which band I would have preferred to sing. But, uh, but yeah, at the, honestly, at the time, amongst the, the hype and the fever of it all, I, I remember boldly declaring to my mate Dan that was better than Oasis you know, after the game. Like, <laughs> I, I was, that's how much I enjoyed it. We that were was quite, a huge claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've uh, since retracted that claim, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but like we were right at the front and it was great to see the band up front and um, it was loud the crowd was mental and and also get Sergio like I don't know if you realize this but he is so tall like yeah I mean, yeah, yeah big be, guy he must be like seven foot or something I just remember yeah. towering above everyone on that stage just like my neck craning up just to look at this guy <laughs> it's like wow and this guy's Massive, like,
1: yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite and,
0: intimidating as well. It's like it's just sort of massive guy, isn't it? Yeah,
1: and like
2: um, the closer was was Lost Souls Forever, and like yeah, af- after the bands finished playing, like the crowd just kept chanting that re- that sort of that refrain all the way back to the train station. It was incredible. Right. That probably supports the lad rock elements of it, I guess. it does, but, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, so that, that that's kind of like my um, my personal connection to the. Uh, to the album, really. Oh, but, strong. And, yeah, a vibe, yeah, yeah. I like it. So, so, so it really reminds me of a, of a of a great time, like when I was going to a lot yeah. of gigs, and uh, yeah, that was definitely. I've still, I've still got the tickets somewhere. Actually, I always, yeah, I was, sure. I always kept all my tickets.
0: You know. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Concept album, I mean, for me, sonically, it sounds like a concept album. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just not paying enough attention to the lyrics of it, or maybe I'm just viewing it differently. I think I think for me, I'm, I am I get that. Not 100% sold on that. Yeah, version, not yeah. entirely. Like, when I think of a concept album, I think of, say, like, Plan B's The Defamation of Strickland Banks. because it's telling like, a story. Yeah. yeah, like, start to finish, it's a story. Whereas with this, I think it's like every song has a character to it, for sure, but yeah. I don't think it necessarily it doesn't seem as obvious that it's a concept yeah. album if that makes sense but yeah yeah
0: it's more like a yeah. rogues gallery of character songs and almost i suppose if you see it that way mm. i mean even then it's not obvious that these are supposed to be characters and... until you tell me that because in some cases the tracks seem to do actually yeah especially the ones towards the end they do kind of flow into each other because they're kind of mm. like um yeah it's like, it either is or it isn't i suppose isn't it if, yeah. you, if you take if you if you accept the fact that it's not a story but each one is a character, then I suppose it is kind of a concept album. Yeah. But I suppose even the even the later tracks don't really tell a story. They are, but they do have a theme to them that doesn't necessarily <laughs> make it a concept album. But like yeah. um it is very it has a very 19th century vibe to it, like what lots yeah. of intellectuals and rebels talking about what they would like to see and what's gonna happen and big events, you know, like I mean, my, my, one of my favourite ones is sort of like in Vladimir and is talking about the last beatniks and the yeah, yeah. heretics and stuff like this. But then also, you, you know, and not to go on and on about the lyrics because we'll talk about them later. But uh, in uh, "Thick Thieves," we're to see the lights upon my face, walking in circles with human race. Like you know, it's like this kind of like it struck me that this is almost like a historical statement. It's like you know, we keep going around in circles and we end up trying to yeah doing the same thing. You know, re- re- yeah, the concept of a revolution type thing. Yeah, uh, all, the, all the little people—they want to be free. Yeah, no, you know, in a very, in a very sort of intellectual kind of sense, it's not like they're actually taking the action. Maybe yeah. the actions are on the first half of the album. Yeah, no, I, I
2: definitely picked up on that as well. It's, I think, yeah, it, there's definitely for me the album definitely has a a solid theme and a solid sound overall. But yeah, I think it's like if you didn't know it was meant to be a concept album, yeah, you wouldn't really pick up on it. So it kind of helps to know, yeah. doesn't it? I guess it's yeah. the summary, really. But um, yeah. yeah, so I think that talks about whether, whether we think it's a concept album. But also, let's talk about Lad Rock then. So it's funny, because as we've gone through this episode, it has transpired that there's probably some evidence in favour of being described Lad Rock, even if it's not yeah. necessarily something that they would go out their way to label themselves as. I mean, what, what do you
0: think? Yes, I think mean, they are, but I don't think it's negative. Yeah. I don't understand why why Ladrock is considered to be like a negative thing. I mean yeah, yeah, it's it's fine, isn't it? Like I don't know, it's just sort of almost like it almost feels like a political thing. It's like, you know, you're not allowed to appeal to young men. Like yeah. you know, that's just you know, you might get them doing naughty things like drinking beer. Yeah. I, and I, having I... a good time. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I get I get that that's not what they want to be known as. But, but yeah, there is, I think there is a certain, you know, because yeah, some bands would love to be in that position. Like I say, you know, if, if, you're, if you're like Harry Styles trying to go out on your, <laughs> you know, do a rock and roll album and like it's only women turning up at your gigs, it's like you've kind of failed, you know? Whereas these guys are sort of just doing it. They do it naturally.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're not, yeah, you're not wrong in that. You know, they they have that appeal and I guess that because they have that their sound does have that energetic hard edged feel Yeah to it. it's just yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's intense.
0: Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like you know it's not yeah. like dum dee, dum d dum but yeah. their, their lyrics are good as well because it's kind of like fiery. It's um it was literally yeah. fire. It's um passionate and it's kind of um it's almost fighting talk element to it, some of it. uh yeah. you know this kind of thing. Yeah like I'm the underdog blah blah blah. And, and similarly with some of the other tracks as well, the Fast Fuse, it's like, yeah, these are all things that you can identify with. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see why that would be a bad thing. It just happens automatically.
2: Yeah, no, I think for me, I think maybe, I felt like critics were almost trying to use the label as a way to de-intellectualise, if that's a word, their music, like to say, oh. Yeah, to so dismiss their they're, importance. Yeah, yeah, just to say, oh, you know, you know, it's just music for lager louts, you know, it's just, you know, easy to sing along choruses and stuff. It's like, no, it's like, if you listen to, the lyrics and also it's not just the lyrics that I mean because if you listen to the sound this isn't a a, st- a traditional rock and roll format you know they're using a lot of electronic sounds and studio yeah. effects and everything and they put a lot of thought into it you know yeah, this isn't meant to be easy listening it's not meant to be like oh yeah I can instantly get it you know I get what it's all about like it's meant to be challenging and then, equally yeah the lyrics are meant to it's not talking about you know uh pop themes of love and betrayal and whatever you know this is talking about political stuff and you know revolution and anti-authority and all this stuff so yeah definitely
0: uh, are you trying to argue the album is not that rock or the Sabian themselves are not that rock
2: I think more the latter point really well I'd say I
0: mean the album I agree is is yeah especially the latter half is much more uh, I think you have to be much more I think the appeal yeah appeals to me because I I got my head in politics and history and whatever, but and yeah. you know, this kind of cultural nineteenth-century vibe. But um, I don't know. I you know I don't know. I suppose the first half appeals to the heart, and the second half goes yeah. to the head. And yeah. maybe that's yeah. maybe, that's a bit of a cliched way of saying it. But yeah, yeah. No, I think I was just I was just
2: more get annoyed about critics trying to d- dismiss how intelligent the music yeah. is, if if that makes sense. I, I yeah. you know I, I that's more what I was taking issue with. if like if you want to call it lad rock because you know, it has crossover appeal and uh, then fine, I don't have an issue with that. But if you're trying to use it to say, oh, you know, if you're trying to dismiss the band, and I think that's how I was often reading it. You know, it's it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And it's... it's yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? So, so I think they're lad rock in one sense, but not in another. It depends how you're defining lad rock. But it's like also... If you're going to say Kasabian, Ladrock, then you could arguably apply that to other bands like Oasis. I mean, you and I have been to an Oasis gig. You know, we know what it, what it was like. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, definitely you, that kind of yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Roses yeah,
0: and all those, all of those other guys. But it's but yeah. there's, there's, it's interesting because it's um, it's a different type of music to what the Arctic Monkeys put out. Absolutely, so it's a different and it's a different type of music to say like the Libertines or. Yeah, but it. But I would say it is. Yeah, I suppose it is most similar to Oasis.
1: Yes, but
2: even then, I'd still say they sound nothing like Oasis. Yeah. yeah. Like there's I get why people compare them because it's like, okay, Oasis are a man city band. Cesarean or Leicester City, both Premier League football teams. They, you know, you've got this dynamic as well. You've got you've got a cocky front man. You've got like yeah, a yeah. you've got like a chief songwriter who's also the lead guitarist. You know, but for me, that's where the comparisons end. Frankly, like I don't, I really don't think there's anything beyond that that makes them anything similar. I don't see how. Well,
0: is there will really c- they appeal to perhaps?
2: But yeah, I mean, I guess it's the crossover appeal. But beyond that, I just to me the music's just completely different really like Oasis, but i think oasis like you don't really get that kind of level of experimentation apart from on standing on the shoulders of giants i see that's yeah. one time they really try it whereas for sabian it's their you know that's their calling card you <laughs> know it's yeah. what they do yeah, yeah. it's what they're known yeah. for
0: I, I think it's yeah. difficult actually when i when i i'm just sort of comparing them in my head so when i, when I think of west rider Poor, pulmonary asylum it's like mm. It doesn't, yeah. I agree with that. That does not conform to mm. when people say Casabian. This is what I think of, yeah. But when I think of albums one and two, and also the later ones, which I'm Velociraptor and Crying Out Loud, and I haven't really listened to 4813. Uh, is it 4813? Is it 43? Yeah, Whatever it <laughs> you know, yeah, we the know. numbers one, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can tell I don't really care about that one, but um, <laughs> yeah. but like you know, in terms of the guitar. The, Oasis have this sort of swagger to them and confidence to them. And they're like, you know, outwardly like we are the kings. That's what they're saying. And whereas Casabian are much more like they're not really saying anything to anyone. They're just kind of it's almost like they're running around this is a totally abstract now, sorry, I'm just off the path. But anyway, so Oasis is like the sun literally the sunshine and the sunshine and the light. <laughs> and yeah, oh my God, aren't we so great? Yeah. Whereas Kasabian are like, yeah, we're in the darkness and we're fighting mm. a little bit. It does have a slightly more base, I don't know how to describe it. Like Kasabian songs are intense and almost like yeah. fighting songs. They and are. Yeah, Oasis absolutely. are much more swaggering and everything's great. Because we're here, songs. Yeah. Um, I think I don't. I don't know what, what I'm trying to say exactly, but maybe there is a lad rock element to both. Yeah, different, uh, maybe, different maybe, halves of the brain, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just a tone like, of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think to
2: say more of like there's more fight talk than there is with Oasis. I think. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you've definitely hit on something there.
0: I agree. This is really interesting. I'm just playing with in my brain right now. So, so Oasis are kind of like, yeah, okay, we're the lords, all the mighty, and everybody else is below us. Everybody else is inferior because Sabian are like okay there might be other people around but we're fighting them and we're angry okay. we're angry but we're also cocky if you know what I mean whereas Oasis are like you know, we didn't. yeah you know, what, what are you talking about why do we need to fight anybody we're obviously the best <laughs> uh, and then you've got uh the Libertines who are like yeah we might fight you but if we can be bothered <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like and, and and Arctic Monkeys I think Arctic Monkeys is more like yeah, I don't know. I, that might need a bit more... I can't really encapsulate that one with, a, with an emotion, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
2: I, I'd say the Arctic Monkeys just didn't really give a damn about any of that. They just did their own thing. Yeah, they, they always have done. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, and that's what—that's almost what makes them so good
1: as they are, because yeah. they just... Because you know, I
2: like
0: them uh, just i like them yeah. just, just as much as not more, and yet yeah. somehow their music does not trigger the same emotions within me as say because or libertines or oasis so it's yeah it's interesting always,
2: you know throughout this podcast i've always wondered to what extent do bands really pay attention to what's going on around them anyway i mean do they really do you know really sit in a band meeting and go, oh yeah look at all this stuff going on, on sorry sorry i'm not saying yeah. that
0: that's what they're thinking i'm just saying that's what the music that's what the music sort of seems to unintentionally trigger yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't.
2: I wasn't implying that either. I was, yeah, I, 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 I think that all I'm saying is that I feel like essentially all the bands we've talked about, at least, I think every band to an extent lives in its own bubble, and they just yeah. kind of do what they think they need to do, and they don't really yeah. pay much attention to to what's going on around them, unless they're under like I don't know if it's different with bands because, like you know, with in the music business you do hear about these tales like you know with you know, famous pop stars or whatever where they're under yeah. a lot of pressure to like go in a certain direction because that's what the music business wants them to do it's like this is the former this sells we want you to do this but then like the band themselves be like well no we don't want to do that we want to yeah. do this and reading the kind of the interviews of the time you know Sergio was quite consciously saying that you know what we've done with this third album is, is quite a ballsy move because yeah. you know one we've taken more time to do it secondly we're going in a different direction
0: yeah.
2: uh, we're going with a different producer it's gonna have a different yeah. sound and they're just doing what they, basically they're just doing what they want like they weren't listening to any pressure about oh you know you, like, we, we, yeah. we want you to just do more of what you did in your first album or your second album kind of thing just keep doing more of that it's like no we don't want to do that yeah. we want to we want to do something different and I think really that generally gets better results than just doing what you, your label wants you to do,
0: because yeah. if you just do what your label wants you to do, then it's always half-assed. It's not authentic. Yeah, I mean, why, why is the label in charge? You know, like they're just producing the record for God's sake. Like they take the. Well, it. if it's they, piss might, up, they it's, might have some. Yeah, un, they might yeah. have some insight. Yeah, fine, but like it's like listening to a music critic. It's Like one person's opinion, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's. I guess you might as well. Yeah, you might as well yeah. go with your own opinion. You know, like for yeah. what? For all the good it's gonna do you. Yeah, I guess
2: because they control the payroll, don't they? Oh yeah. If we're gonna the album, we've got to believe that. I think it's to what extent is the label prepared to take a risk? And sometimes yeah. they just you just, just got to trust people, really, haven't they? I think you know as we have discussed before, you know when money's tight, probably got less <laughs> less willingness to trust risky yeah. uh, risky propositions. But there you go. So any, any favourite tracks and lyrics for you then?
0: Well, like The big tunes for me are Vlad the Impaler, Thick as mm-hmm. Thieves and West Rider Silver Bullet. And uh, mm. Vlad the Impaler is like those in-between bits where it's kind of... Um, oh, he's just chatting shit, isn't he, basically? But, um, <laughs> but, like, like, you know, but yeah, know, we can't try and read anything into it. But the lyrics come across almost like it's like a Call to Arms song. If you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, you with know, the last beat next to the Lost Heretics. You... We need to, we need to, yeah, literally saying we need to raise the dead, we need to raise the people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is really cool. I think it's a really good song. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, I love
2: those bits you mentioned, actually, yeah. lyrically, yeah. Um, this is what I'm saying about them. Yeah, yeah it's like fighting yeah. talk, isn't it? It is, um, yeah.
0: And And similarly, it's almost like they're on the other side of the coin, which is Thick as Thieves, which is kind of... Um, which I was initially drawn to because obviously the jam track is Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I, I didn't want to say like it. it. I didn't want to say it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> although, although I do think this is actually better than the jam track. Yeah, probably. Um interestingly has the line aided by lies among the media foes. Mm. Which I think is uh, prescient. But um also um just the general revolutionary chat again, walking in circles, you know, the little people want to be free, blah 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 but it's much more wistful, interesting yeah. vibe. And then, what? I mean, uh, Silver Bullet is just almost like a love song, but it is, yeah. in the middle yeah. of, like, the Berlin Wall or something, do you know what I mean? Like, in yeah. the middle of like, some kind of crisis. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is quite cool. Yeah. yeah. And those are all pretty strong choices. Yeah, yeah. What for you, then? What goes for you? I, I like
2: most of the songs of this album. I think... Um, I,
0: classic... Well, <laughs> classic album. <laughs> well,
2: well no, let, let me be clear here. So yes. the ones I could easily forego are yeah. Secret Alphabets that's
1: and, yeah. and,
2: and Happiness. Yeah,
1: that's they're, fair. They're
0: yeah, both yeah,
2: yeah. for me, they're a bit fiddler really. But like the rest of them are all pretty good. But even, even amongst those, uh, I have my favourite. So like um yeah, definitely Vladimir Paler is my absolute favorite, I'd say, on this album. Yeah. Yeah. just almost like when i downloaded the song before the album came out you know the yeah. free download it's almost like
0: the preview of what's expected for you yeah, this is gonna be yeah. epic i think um, they knew as well didn't they they knew mm, it was gonna be a good track yeah didn't really chart very well but i suppose they people had already heard it by that point so yeah uh, um been overexposed yeah, um, underdog's pretty
2: good, although it's overplayed. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've played this so many times in bands as well, so I guess in some ways that spoils my enjoyment of the song, but <laughs> um, but I like the lyric in it. I got my cloak and dagger in, in a in brawl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought that was quite cool cool uh, lyric. Where did all the love go? That's, that's a pretty good one. I, I love how it starts with ever took a punch in the ribcage, silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take another sip from this hobo's wine, you know. It's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's a pretty good sunrise actually. He's got, yeah, he's, yeah, got yeah. he's got
0: it's got some pretty cool lyrics um but it's, it's it's so weird isn't it how it's all all of these things kind of add to the kooky victorian type of nature to it it's like yeah. i was just looking at the japan only bonus tracks and one of them is called roadkill cafe No, oh, yeah it's very violent isn't it it's all fighting it's very, yeah yeah exactly yeah. But it's, it's violent in a sort of in a sort of like yeah i don't know it's, it's, it's a jack the ripper type style do you know what i mean like kind of Creepy violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I mean, uh, it's, it's yeah. A, now, now that we've kept talking about it, I'm really starting to see that when I look at yeah, all these looks. like, mean? oh yeah, there's definitely a yeah. violent theme here. You know, in, almost in a different way to the jam, you know, with all my guns yeah. Like, you know, this, this is, yeah, like you say, it's like a, a Victorian creepy horror <laughs> sort of yeah. theme, really.
0: I think about the jam as well, is, which is different to Kasabian. Kasabians seem like they're talking about it and quite enjoying it. Hmm. whereas the jam are like miserable but angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> but some of, the, some of the time they seem to be enjoying it but most of the time they're just angry yeah yeah yeah
2: it's like fast fuse you know there's a lyric so come and get me all you fuckers can't touch me exactly that,
0: <laughs> yeah, i think that's, so that's probably that. that probably sums up kasabian in yeah. general that's so, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: yeah i quite like uh, on fire as well like um yeah. it says wire me up to machines i'll be your prisoner find it hard to believe you are my murderer. You know, yeah. So, uh, again, there's some pretty good looks Now, And what I like about that song is it almost starts off with this like almost like it's a Western, you know, sort of soundtrack. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like this yeah, kind of yeah. bopping beat, you know, riding a horse, you know, and it's then you just got that amazing chorus like it's just it's just a massive punch in the face it's just so 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 powerful i quite like the um the instrumental track swore figure as well i thought that i thought that's pretty good take aim i liked as well that's obviously sergio singing on it there's this he says socially biting your tongue (laughs) yeah Yeah, the title track is brilliant too i mean we've we've talked about that length is already also like ladies and gentlemen roll
0: the dice that was pretty good a long time that was that was on my sort of like a chill playlist and this one was on it i think i just put it on there randomly or by accident and it turned out it's actually really really quite a decent song yeah yeah Um, Yeah. but again it's it's running with that sort of like oh is the revolution gonna work kind of vibe (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that that kind of self-doubt yeah yeah like in the back rooms of some like victorian pub like in the sort of like uh, you know playing cards or something It's like Yeah. What about the life outside? How's that going?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's an album that's got different moments on it, which is great. You don't want an album that's just always one thing and one yeah. thing only. Like you, you do get some moments of relief, I guess. Yeah. yeah, you know, we've heard like towards the second half. So, so yeah, no, all, all in all, it's yeah. um strong album as always. Yeah. Um, yeah, we only, yeah. I wonder if we're going to, yeah, we should probably take up the idea of like reviewing an album that we don't actually like
0: <laughs> just like, Why? Why, we, why would we bother with that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why, 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 what would be the point though? It would be like doing the music journalism thing, wouldn't it? It'd be like, I, uh, I, think, I hate these people. I hate their music but I give this album a three stars out of five Cause, anyway
2: because then you could pick out the saving graces from it You it's like <laughs> I don't
0: know well how about we do um, what about radio here <laughs> oh,
2: not, even, not even if you paid me Tim <laughs> yeah, okay,
0: it's a non-starter <laughs> Other things you wanted to mention about it before we close it out or anything? Um, no, I, I, I don't know. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's just fascinating how they've somehow managed to weave in these weird Penny Dreadful type kind of, horror elements to it, which yeah. I never really thought about before. But it's yeah. all there. It's not yeah. in the other, yeah. It's not in their other songs.
2: Yeah, you don't get them doing anything like this again in their career, do you? No. Like from a tone sort of perspective. I mean, like, yeah. Velociraptor was was a good album, and it, but it, it definitely seemed more like a return to kind of normal ground, really, in that sense. Well, with um, that
0: being said, I do think that in this album, I mean, I know obviously all of their songs have been used in. Well, not all of their songs, but some of their songs have previously been used before in films, and games, and in you know various other thing media, but like. The album has a much more cinematic feel to it than the previous albums did. And I think that actually carries over into the later ones as well. Like in Velociraptor, I think Goodbye. Yeah, that's a good track. It's just unbelievable. I don't know, it's really unbelievably poignant, that one, for me. And Velociraptor itself is not... I don't think it's an amazing song. But yeah, a couple of other songs in there seem very it's like they've added a almost like they've they've discovered their wistful side in this yeah, song, and then they've yeah. added that in to some of the songs later on. Even though they obviously retain both sides of their personality, I suppose, you know, the come get some yeah. side <laughs> and and the wistful uh what if this could happen type side, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think um
1: it,
2: it's definitely a step in the right direction for the, This album, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the use of like strings, for example, on some songs, it does it does create this epicness to to, to their music. Yeah. yeah, for sure, absolutely. But um, yeah. no, after Velociraptor, I kind of just tuned out. Then <laughs> really haven't really find anything else i had to say than album. Have can't. you
0: not? You've not listened to For Crying Out Loud then?
2: Was that the one that had You're in Love with a Psycho on? Was that yeah,
0: that? yeah. I mean that I think was actually. They put that out obviously as a commercial track. I don't. I actually don't rate that song as highly as some of the other tracks there. I even twenty twenty four. <laughs> yeah. Twenty four seven is like absolutely happening track. You know, it's like it's absolutely. It's all going to kick off any moment. Yeah. It's just epic. Like especially if you're running. Yeah. It's very good, and actually the entire album is quite good for it. And um, and wasted is also quite a good track. It's wasted. It's like that wistful side of them again. It's like wasted. There's so much time I've wasted not being by your side. Like, It's just, Hmm. I don't know, it's something really, I don't know. It's just really. It's quite a powerful lyric, actually. Yeah, it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's uh, it's mega. It's not what you think. It's not like wasted in a libertine sense. (laughs) 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 Um, I'm still listening to that song, by the way. Yeah, it's
2: it's good. It's a good track. You know what? I feel like I yeah, I feel like I need to go and check out these last two albums because I never really yeah. yeah, I just didn't really take any interest at the time. But I, I like have I no
0: idea what the four, five, six, seven, eight album is like. I don't <sighs> not really I just couldn't get into it.
2: I think I, I remember like a couple of lead singles off it which were just very like dance orientated and just didn't yeah. really grab me. So I think that's why I just didn't bother. But like Yeah. 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 It,
0: it, the second half of For Crying Out Loud does kind of spill into a bit of a dance fest. But it's okay. Yeah. I mean it's not, yeah. but the first half is decent.
2: Yeah. I think there's, there's always that element to though, isn't it? I think that, yeah. you know, this is a band that combines multiple influences. You know, you have, ultimately it is a rock band basically, yeah. you know, there's that, but then you've got to throw in like your hip hop and your dance music and it's not a straightforward uh, formulaic sort of you know rock sort of recipe you know you there's, there's lots of different it's not your meat and now. potatoes rock band yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah all the more the interesting
0: gra- gravy yeah. and cauliflower cheese involved <laughs> <as well. laughs> i love cauliflower cheese yeah i know yeah, yeah it's just awesome yeah, yeah. but i mean yeah. yeah i'm not really sure what element that is in this but <laughs> the metaphor works there but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I have To say you can, you know, you're making me hungry now. <laughs> well, it's two o'clock, it's probably lunchtime, yeah, time, be yeah
2: absolutely, yeah. <laughs>